welcome to Thriving as a Physician, the podcast that teaches you to thrive in your weight loss and life while juggling a packed physician schedule, because you deserve to thrive. Each week, I share sustainable, enjoyable tools that work in your busy life so that you can reach all of your goals faster with more confidence. Everything in this podcast is backed by my experience as an obesity medicine physician, years of coaching physicians on weight loss and eating, and my own personal weight loss journey. Let's get thriving. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 245 of the Thriving as a Physician podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. I have a good topic for you today. We're going to talk about how do you navigate weight loss in a world filled with food? This is a topic that came up from questions that I've had recently inside Thrive Academy for Physicians, and I thought it would just be a really good one to talk about because I have approaches that are probably different from what you may have read about in kind of common diet and eating literature. So if you find yourself tempted by food that crops up in your environment, like the doctor's lounge, when a partner starts eating food beside you, and you find that that keeps messing up your weight loss journey, you keep feeling like, oh, I've been doing good. And then this food pops up and all of a sudden I have issues with it. Then this is an episode for you. I'm talking all about how to manage it, what you should do, and how to make it so that you can build consistency in your weight loss journey and see more results. This topic is one of the reasons why it can feel so hard to stick to your weight loss plans. But it's not the only reason. There's a lot of different things that drive our eating that contribute to whether we eat healthy or whether we eat food that doesn't directly help our weight loss journey. That's what we do inside Thrive Academy for Physicians is I help you find really sustainable, really manageable ways of learning why it's so hard to stick to your plans. And how do you build consistency without working harder? And maybe, I love this, how do you build consistency while working less hard, putting less effort in, and enjoying yourself more? Those are really the ultimate goals that I have for any physician that works with me. And if that sounds amazing to you, then head on over to thrivephysicians.ca and learn more about Thrive Academy for Physicians. You can fill out an application there and have the opportunity to talk to me directly about your specific situation so I can share with you if I think I can help you, if I think you're a good match for the program. So that's thrivephysicians.ca to learn more and learn how joining a program like this can help you step off that diet hamster wheel where you're just constantly in a cycle. It doesn't have to be that way. Okay, this topic of like, what do I do with food in my environment? Should I make sure I avoid it? Should I keep the food that I think of as trigger foods away from me just so I'm not even tempted? This question comes up a lot in different forms when I'm coaching physicians. And the other one would be like, what do I do about things like the doctor's lounge goodies or the office staff room goodies, the treats that patients will bring, which is lovely as a token of thanks, but can be really challenging at the end of the day when you've been trying to eat healthy and there's something like super sugary staring you in your face. How do I handle that? 
These are really important questions because if we can figure these skills out, all these are, and I want to really preface this, is these are skills. These are not the end of the world. They have no bearing on you or your ability to be successful. It's just these are skills that are not taught. The skill of how can I be around tempting food without being bothered by it. And notice that that's very different from how could I be around tempting food and use my willpower to not eat it. That's meh. I don't want that. That doesn't give you a good quality of life and it's not sustainable. So what we're talking about is the skill of how can I be around any food in any food environment and not be bothered by it? Have the experience around the food that I want to have. It's a skill. You haven't been taught it before. So if this is something that you have really struggled with, totally fine. Nothing's going wrong. It doesn't have any bearing on your ability to be successful. It's just this could be a really good place to focus some effort on working on building this skill. And I'm going to share your tips on where do you start? How do you start building this skill? Back when I first did my obesity medicine training, I really thought there is a lot of kind of teaching within obesity medicine of environment regulation. So if you want to be successful, manage your environment, meaning go through your cupboards, get rid of all the food that you might normally snack on, only bring the food into the house that is going to be healthy and help you in your journey. And I do think that that is a tool to use. But the problem here, and this is where I run into issues, is we can really try to control our environment. We can really try to control exposure to different foods. But there are elements of our world that we don't have control over. And like the doctor's lounge, going to get togethers with friends, what anybody else in your house decides to eat or bring into the house. All of those things are examples where you may not have the control that you wish you could. So if we only depend on, I just really have to control my environment, that ends up creating this gap where you're like, okay, when I have direct control over my environment, I do pretty well. But then when I don't, when things pop up in my environment that surprise me, I don't do as well. That inconsistency can be enough that it might be making it so that you're not seeing the movement towards your goals that you want to be seeing, even if you're working really hard at it. So long term, we have to build the skill for that gap. Long term, we can use the tool of managing our environment, but we also have to build the skill of what do I do when I get exposed to these foods anyways? Because you can predict that you will get exposed to the foods that you find the most triggering, that you find really make you want to eat them. And if we don't build that skill of how do you deal with that, then you'll find yourself in a loop where you just always feel prey to those foods. And maybe you start to even fear being exposed to those foods. You worry about going into environments that might have those foods because you don't know what you're going to do. And I want you to just notice, number one, that's super common. That's examples that I get from the physicians I work with. So number one, super common if you identify without a feeling afraid or worried about what would happen if you get exposed to certain foods. But number two, I want you to notice how disempowering that feels. If you're worrying about your environments and thinking, I hope today's going to go well, but what if I get exposed to that food and, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Notice how the food has the power in that example. It's passing the power over to the food and it's very disempowering feeling. It doesn't feel good. What I'm hoping from this episode is that you'll feel more empowered in those situations where you don't have to fear the situations. You can be like, okay, I know that I'm going to be exposed to different foods in my days and my weeks. And I've got skills that I'm working on to 
feel better around those foods, to not be bothered by those foods as much. Here's the truth, and I think we need to really honor this truth when we're thinking about how do we build this skill. Because the truth is there are endless amounts of food that will not help your weight loss and will be very tempting to eat in our North American food environment. Endless amounts. And number two is you can pretty much access as much of it as you would like at pretty much any time. Especially as things with Instacart and Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats and all these platforms have come out is you literally can get anything delivered. You don't even have to drive to a convenience store anymore. You don't even have to go through a drive-thru. Like I think about, thank God when I was dealing with my Wendy's French fries issues, that these delivery systems did not exist. I am not sure what would have happened if I could have on those days where I'm just like, oh my gosh, if I could have just had stuff delivered to me, it wouldn't have been pretty. So you can access this food anytime you want. There is endless amounts of it available. I think that's really, really important because again, if we think, Just trying to keep the quote-unquote bad food away is probably not realistic. Because even if you manage your environment at your home and you generally keep the food that's more tempting just out of the house, you still could access it really easily. Other people can access it. It's still going to be essentially all around you. Really, honestly, most of the time on your drive to work, you will pass multiple places where you could stop and get these foods that you're trying to avoid. So we need better skills, right? We need a different, more enhanced set of skills to really develop that ease around the food. And I think this whole topic is another example of why diets don't work, why they're not just the answer. Because they don't address that if I'm trying to eat this way, how do I not eat the chips that my partner sat down on the couch beside me and started to eat? Question, right? The diet will say, don't eat chips. And, you know, if you stop eating chips, you'll be great. and You'll lose weight. But it doesn't give you the skills and the tools for how do you navigate things like your partner eating chips beside you when you really like chips and you're choosing not to eat them. We need better skills. It needs to be more than a diet environment. And that's why coaching and the work that we do inside Thrive Academy for Physicians is just so powerful. Why it changes your whole approach to weight loss because it addresses these skill gaps that diets just have totally ignored. (laughs) You've done a huge disservice to us by totally ignoring this stuff. How do you build the skills needed to be around food and just not be bothered by it? So number one, how you talk about food to yourself matters. I don't know which episode it is, but back in some of the earlier episodes of this podcast, I did an episode on magical foods. So that could be a really good episode for you to go check out. But basically the idea is, How we talk to ourselves about foods can either put them up on this pedestal and make them so appealing, so desirable that we're like, oh my gosh, if I ever get exposed to that food, oh, I can't stop myself. So for me, Wendy's French fries totally used to be up on a pedestal and I would dream about how lovely they were, dream about how crunchy and salty and hot and delicious they were. Funny thing is... (laughs) when I actually looked at it and paid attention is the actual fries that I would get in that paper bag only matched that pedestal version of the fries a small percent of the time. You know, often when you actually get the fries, they've been sitting under the warmer for a while. They're a little soggy. They're just not what the thought collection was about how they should be. But the really fascinating thing is the thought collection about how delicious and wonderful and great they are 
continued even when the food experience didn't match it. So really noticing where do I have these patterns of thoughts that are putting food up onto pedestal, that are making it feel so desirable, and can I start to think differently about it? And what I did with the French fry example is I just started to remind myself of, you know what, actually, lately they've been kind of doughy. They haven't been crunchy in the way that I like. Just framing the reality, reminding myself of the reality, and it helps start to bring them down. So noticing where your brain wants to lift a food up and give it these magical properties and these magical powers where rainbow is over top of the food, lights are shining on it, and be like, hmm, is that actually helping me when I encounter this food? I can tell you it's probably not. Like for the fries, as long as they were sitting on that pedestal and they were just this thing that was so alluring, I went and got them pretty much any opportunity I could. And it didn't take much of an excuse for my brain to be like, oh yeah, let's do that. That'll help, that'll fix it. You also wanna look at the forbidden foods. So telling ourselves, I can't eat that. So again, I use the Wendy's French fries example is I spend a lot of times of like, okay, you have to stop eating Wendy's French fries, Siobhan. Stop eating them. They're bad. We need to give them up. Stop it. When you make a food forbidden, when you get told, hey, you're not allowed to do that anymore. You can't have that anymore. What happens? Well, you just want it more, right? (laughs) You're just like, please, can I have that? I really want it. Like your brain gets focused on it. So when these foods This is another part of the reason why I think just saying, oh, I can't have this food in my environment is probably not the most helpful thing because it makes it, it can easily make it a forbidden food where I'm not allowed to have this food around me. I can't eat this food. Having this food even near me is a risk. And again, notice how A, that builds desire for the food and B, it disempowers you. It's giving more power to the food. So notice that for these foods I choose not to eat, Is telling myself I can't eat them or I'm not allowed to eat them truly helpful? Or could I speak to myself differently about them? Same with the uncontrollable foods. That's kind of similar to that forbidden is, oh, I just can't even be around that food. Like there's no way I could be near that food and not eat. Again, that collection of thoughts is what makes you uncontrollable around those foods. All of these examples I'm giving you, it's not the foods. It was never the Wendy's French fries. It was the thoughts about the Wendy's french fries and what my brain was trying to fix with the Wendy's french fries that made them feel so desirable and made me feel so out of control around them. If you're telling yourself you can't control yourself around a food and you have no choice but to eat it, that will be what happens. It sets that up to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can change that by changing the thoughts. It is the thoughts that need to change. The food itself does not need to change. We feel more in control. We develop more ease around foods by changing how we think about those particular foods and our ability to be around them and not eat. Tip number two. Number one was watch your thoughts. Really pay attention to how you're thinking about these foods and decide if you can think about them differently. Number two is anticipation and planning. The situations that you end up in that are challenging from a food standpoint are predictable most of the time. In our days, in our life, they're very predictable Places where food is going to crop up, like the doctor's lounge, like the nurse's stations, especially in the middle of the night, like your office staff room, going over to friends' houses for a barbecue, going camping. There's all these places where food culturally is really involved. And if you really look at it, you can predict where these foods might crop up, where you might be exposed. 
And this is great because if we can predict it, you can anticipate. Anticipation goes a long way. I think anticipation is a really, really underutilized tool in weight loss and in managing our eating. If you know that you're going to be on call and you know that that's a trigger to eat and you know that there is always junk food available either in the doctor's lounge or in the hospital cafeteria, that is a spot where you can anticipate it and make plans for it. It'd be like, okay, self, I'm going on call. I know that I have some anxiety pre going on call. I know that I'm going to feel restless and look for ways to entertain myself or to give myself a break while on call. And I know this food is going to be available. How do I want to think about this food when I predictably get exposed to it? And when I predictably have cravings to go get it, how do I want to think about it? How do I want to talk to myself about it? Having that little conversation with yourself from a very kind way, you'll notice this conversation I just demoed had nothing to do with, okay, self, you're going to be on call. You are not allowed to eat the food in the doctor's lounge. You have to eat that healthy thing we're going to bring. That's a different conversation than what I'm talking about. And that conversation is not going to be effective. That's not anticipating. That's trying to like rule your way to success and just really use that willpower. What I'm talking about is, okay, I anticipate I'm going to face challenges when I'm on call and I'm stuck in the hospital. How do I want to manage that? How do I want to talk to myself? How could I help support myself to be successful? It's a totally different conversation. And then number three is, Be aware of the vulnerable times and tasks. So this kind of ties into the example I was using about call is a lot of the times it's not actually the food itself. Like if you think about it, some of these foods that we think are just so tempting, it's not that they're tempting any single time we get exposed to them. Like I'm thinking right now in one of our kitchen cupboards, there's a bag of dill pickle chips, which I really like. And the times where I've opened that cupboard and I've had a thought of pulling them out and eating them, It's not 7 a.m. in the morning when I'm getting breakfast ready. I don't even notice them at 7 a.m. Don't even give them a second thought in the evening. It's like that afternoon, I've gotten home from work and I'm like just a little frazzled. And I open that up and I'm like, oh, all right, we have chips here. Like, "Mm, maybe I should. And the way I manage that is exactly what I'm teaching you guys of like, okay, I could totally eat those chips, but I also could have the dill pickle chips anytime. How do I want to think about these chips? How are these going to make me feel if I do end up eating them? All of these tools that I teach you in this podcast is how I've been handling that bag of dill pickle chips that's in our cupboard. But what I want to point out is it's not the dill pickle chips, because if it was just the dill pickle chips, every single time I saw them, I would have strong temptations to eat them. It is the food and how I think about that food, because I still have thoughts about, oh, dill pickle chips are really good, along with a vulnerable state. So when I get home from work, it's a bit of a vulnerable state. It's often been a long, busy day. My brain is tired. I have to deal with kids. My brain would like to use food to try to feel better, even though it doesn't actually work. It will continue to try (laughs) as much as I let it to make myself feel better with food. But it's a vulnerable state. The evening, it's a vulnerable state. I'm getting tired. I probably have things I'm like, oh, I should go do that. And I don't really want to. It's like a procrastination. So it's not the food itself. Often it is the state. And so when you're doing your anticipation and thinking, okay, where might I be exposed to this food? You also want to think about where might I be exposed to this food in a more vulnerable state? So being on call is a really good example. Being on call for many physicians is a vulnerable state with regards to eating. End of your day after 3 p.m. in the office, vulnerable state for most of us. That transition from office to home, 
when you walk in the house and you're greeted with kids and other things you have to do, it's a vulnerable state. If you've been up through the night and your next day, you're post-call and tired and you still have to work, it's a vulnerable state. And so noticing that and being like, okay, I might be a little more vulnerable in this situation. How do I want to talk to myself? What do I really need? How do I want to try to give myself what I really need? How do I want to manage how I'm thinking about food in this situation? And really anticipating and talking yourself through it. All right. I hope that those have been helpful. I'm just going to refresh the tips. So number one, thinking about how are you actually thinking about the food? Are you doing things that are making that food be up on a pedestal or making it forbidden so it just seems that much more tempting? Number two is anticipate and plan for the situations that these foods predictably will crop up. And number three, take into account any vulnerable states you might be in because it's often more the state that you are in plus the food that equals the overeating. It's not just the food equals overeating. Now, these are big skills, but man, are these life-changing. Like if you can work on this and really start to develop the skill of being around food in different food environments and not being bothered, that is huge for long-term weight management. And I can tell you, as you've heard my examples throughout this episode, from somebody who has spent their life being very food-focused, having the skill of being able to be around these foods, to be able to know that those chips are there, and have been for weeks, and I'm just not that bothered by them, is life-changing. Just imagine not being afraid of food. Imagine living your life where you don't have to be thinking about food all the time, and how much freedom that creates in your brain, how much space that creates in your brain. Last week in the episode, we talked about creating time for yourself, but Using these skills and learning this stuff creates space. And through that, it creates time for yourself because you're not using as much time and energy to think about food. This is what we do inside Thrive Academy for Physicians is it is not a diet. It's not just stop eating this food. What we do inside Thrive Academy for Physicians is I teach you how to learn these skills, how to have more ease around the food, how to stick to your plans more easily with less effort. And if you would love to learn that, I would love to have you inside Thrive Academy. Head over to thrivephysicians.ca to learn more about the program. Click on the button, apply to join, and that is a no obligation form that opens up the opportunity for you and I to have that conversation, which is powerful in its own right. The opportunity for you and I to sit face-to-face for a half hour and talk about what you're struggling with is really helpful you'll walk away feeling completely different about your weight loss, whether or not you ultimately decide to join the program. Anyways, that's thrivephysicians.ca. I would love to talk to you and chat to you more about how I could help you just fill in one of those application forms. Have a fantastic week, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye.